Hey everybody, welcome to the Inspire Podcast. This is Matt. And this is Brad. We are the pastors of Inspire Church in Westfield, Indiana. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening around here, be sure to subscribe to our text updates by texting the keyword INSPIRE. That's N-S-P-I-R-E to 317-451-4111. We hope the following message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Alive and well. I uh, one of the things I always like to point out is Brad already talked about Cooper leading a song for us today. I just love seeing students lead here. Like sometimes students get relegated to the student ministry to do their thing, and I just love that when we have students a part of what's happening in in, in church all together. And can I just tell you something? It was a little strange experience for me this morning because I knew the storm was coming. There's a storm coming. Everybody's talking about it. I wasn't fully aware of it till this morning when someone told me there's a storm coming. And uh, it was like 10-10 around this joint, and I was looking around. I was like, there's no one here. Like, it's going to be me, Brad, and some family maybe. And I was like, then all of a sudden, you all just showed up. So I'm glad you're here. And I, I have to say this, too. Like, uh, it, it's, fun, it's fun to watch the room fill up. And, and maybe it's because we have a lot of young families here. And let's be real, if you're a young family, we're late a lot. Uh, those of you who don't have young kids or your kids are older, you may have forgotten what it's like to try to get out of the house it, you, you can just get up and leave and just go. And when you have young kids, it's like you have like a 20 to 25 minute preparation where you have to at least tell one person to put their shoes on at least seven times. It's amazing how this happens. And so anyways, I'm glad you're here today. I have to be honest with you too. Like I, I, I'm, I'm really thankful to be here as well this morning. I, uh, I had this really strange dream last night and uh, I was uh, ever had one of those weird dreams that kind of mess with you a little bit, right? I had this dream last night where uh, I, I died. I know, isn't it crazy? And so I had this dream that I died. And I wake up in this, in like this field. It kind of reminded me of the gladiator scene, you know, with the, glass, the grass blowing. And I was like, hey, uh, what is going on? I look across the valley, and I kid you not, Brad was there too. <clears throat> so we're in this valley. And uh, I was like, Brad, what's up, man? And I was like, what is going on? And he's like, dude, I think we're dead. I was like, I think we are too. And we're like wandering around trying to figure out what to do. You're looking around on the valley. We didn't know what was going on. And there was this like <laughs> little sign. Looked like my kids made it. They uh, had an arrow pointing. It says heaven this way. And I was like, Brad, you want to go to heaven? And he's like, I do. <laughs> and so we start walking across this valley heading towards heaven. And we're just walking along. And every once in a while, there'll be another sign pointing heaven. Another sign heaven. I mean, it's just a strange dream, you know. And I uh, get to the, the bottom of this, this like big mountain, and something happens to me where I got really tired. I was like, Brad, I don't think I'm going to make it to heaven. <laughs> and Brad's like, Matt, don't worry. I've been doing CrossFit. <laughs> just, just hop on my back. I'll carry you. And so I was like, seriously, man? I was like, I knew you were a good friend. And so I kid you not, I get on Brad's back. <laughs> Which, it, I, you may not realize this, because when you stand on stage, the perspective could be off, but Brad is a little smaller than I am. Uh, I'm 6'5", fully clothed or fully robed. I'm like 245, being honest and transparent before you. I guarantee you, he's never come close to hitting 200. Um, is that true? Yeah, see, yeah. Brad's like built, like his size and stature was me in like seventh grade, you know? Uh, so there's some difference there. So we get to the bottom of this hill, and he's like, dude, jump on my back. And I'm not kidding. And CrossFit, we're going to do this. I was like, all right, man. So I hop on his back, and he, like, suddenly is, like, empowered. 
like he's like a, a, a young steed climbing the hill, just like powering up this mountainside. And we get to the top of the mountain remark, remarkably. And uh, there at the top of the mountain, there are these gates. Like you would imagine, like heaven would have gates. And Brad carries me all the way up to the gates, and I knock on the gate doors. And the gate door kind of cracks open, and St. Peter sticks his head out. And he was like, Matt, it's good, so good to see you. Tie up your donkey and come on in. <laughs> uh, it's a slow burn. You'll get it. You'll get it. Uh, I've been waiting all week to tell you this. I've like tried it out on a few other people. I used it on my dad. He was the steed once this week, you know, the donkey. <laughs> So, backstory on how I learned this. Uh, you may know that I, on the morning, sometimes go and hang out at the local McDonald's here and hang out with some older gentlemen. There's a guy in there named Merv who told me that joke this week, and I thought it was too funny not to tell you. So, uh, <laughs> it's even funnier when you picture like an 82-year-old guy telling you the joke, because uh, it's more real believable that like he wasn't going to be able to make it up the hill. He had me so convinced that he was like really having a dream. I was like, oh, man, Merv, I want you to make it to heaven. You know, like you were. You're like, oh, and then did you all not have that moment where you're like, Brad is such a good guy. <laughs> he is a good guy. Well, we're glad you're here with us today, and we are in a series called Dinner with Jesus. And, and we've been talking about different meals that Jesus has with people. And are there things you can learn about Jesus or what Jesus was about or up to or things you can learn about God himself? Uh, in these meals or these encounters that people have with Jesus as they share a meal with him. And so we've talked about all sorts of things. Brad talked the first week about uh, a meal that Jesus has with tax collectors and talked about how people are welcome around the table. And, and we talk all the time here at Inspire about you, you can belong here. Like we believe you belong. We hope you discover that you belong as well. Like we already hold that as a value. Like you belong here. And as you come, we hope that you discover that and you find a place and you find your spot and you, you get your seat around the table. Uh, and the week two, we talked about a story where Peter had breakfast on a beach, kind of took a twist from dinner uh, and went to breakfast. And last week, Brad talked about a banquet, the parable of his banquets, Jesus told him. And um, so we've been looking at these different meals. And, and one thing that I've, I've learned lots of stuff about uh, Jesus and Brad and I, we, this happens from, from time to time. Like We'll have a series that we're planning and like we'll be wrestling with something, and I was like, I'm not even sure. This series, it's going to be okay, but I'm really excited about the next one or whatever. And so we started into this, and I was like, it, it'll be okay. And I've actually really, really enjoyed this one for a couple of reasons. One, there's some really deep stuff that we're learning about what Jesus is up to. Sometimes it's so practical, it's so simple, but that's what makes it difficult or tricky sometimes because it's way simpler than what we want to make it. Uh, the other thing is, is like we've learned a lot, we've gotten a lot of food recommendations. Like after week one, uh, Brad talked about five guys and like I talked to a few of you and like everybody was eating five guys on Sunday afternoon because you're like, oh yeah, I got to try that. Uh, I, on week two, I talked about cocoa eats and uh, my friend John and a few others of you, I know Andrew tried it or he has some too. I, I introduced you cocoa eats. I found out, I, th I think it's like poor people food, but that's what I ate growing up. Uh, and so if you haven't had it, you need to try it. <laughs> Uh, John put this on Facebook last week, uh, but let me tell you something. Uh, this stuff is good. And John, I couldn't get the video to work, but he shot a video review of his son trying the cocoa eats and sent it to me. And uh, it, got, it got three out of four thumbs up. One of his ch children is just wrong. They're just messed up or something. I don't know. Lucy, we'll talk to her about that later. Um, so, uh, so we had cocoa eats. Uh, I, I, I shared with you, I'm not like a cook. I don't, I'm not a chef. 
uh, a perfect example. Last Friday night, I had Brad and Lisa over at our house because we, you'd think we'd spend a lot of time together, but we don't. Like, uh, we we were like, we'd spend too long. Let's get hang out. And so they come over to our house and like, we did the, we, you know, we, we made some simple food. And I asked Brad, I was like, bring us a drink. Brad, make something for us. So he brought over this drink that was more elaborate than anything we'd prepared. And he had like <laughs> basil and strawberry, like. A, I mean, it was amazing, too. It tasted so good. Like, there's a t- total difference between Brad and I's, like, taste buds. Like, you've heard all about this stuff. Uh, I'm simple. Like, I, I, can, I can nail you down on some drinks. I like a good drink. Uh, and so sweet tea. I'm really on to this thing called Kona uh, Brewing Company's new beer. or It's a beer, so I don't know how new it is, but uh, called um, Big Wave. It's, like, my favorite beer right now. Also, I, has anybody ever tried these, these uh, Crunchers potato chips? Anybody ever had those? A few hands are going up. Those things are good. <laughs> like, they are really good. And my dad used to get them when we were kids. They're like two things my dad got that I just thought were like, oh, they're so good. My dad used to get those fireballs, little red fireballs, and he'd eat those things. And he'd have these crunchers, potato chips. And so, like, as I got older, I would, like, start finding these in the grocery store. And has anybody else noticed they disappeared? Yeah. Crunchers disappeared. I've written, like, editors I've like found, they're made by Jay's potato chips and somehow Jay's like just lost them or something. I don't know. They haven't responded to me. I've sent a couple of notes actually. <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm not lying. So I've been on the hunt to find a good replacement jalapeno chip. Because like you, you can go to Kroger and there's like a whole bunch of jalapeno chips, but none are as good as the Crunchers jalapeno chips. And if you've tried them, you know what I'm talking about. Like Kroger has got their little brand and it looks all cute and then until you put it in your mouth. And you're like, this thing's terrible. This is not a Crunchers potato chip. And so everywhere I go, I try to find a potato chip that could be as good as the Crunchers jalapeno potato chip. I found one in, in Florida by a company called Zaps and they're like Cajun chips. Those are pretty good. If you ever see one, buy it. I also discovered the Motherlode. And I need to share it with you. It's called Tim's. I brought a bag. Tim's, they're Cascade style or something like that. Cascade style potato chips. They're extra thick and crunchy, people. Now, I was going to, you can blame Brad on this. I was going to have baskets to pass around and share with you so everybody could try one. And Brad convinced me it was going to take up too much of the service. So you just have to watch me. (laughs) Pretty good. I'll leave them here if you want to try one after service. This is my pro tip of the day. Crunchers have been replaced by Tim's. You can find them on the Amazon. They're like, I don't know, affordably priced. They're good. So you want to try some potato chips? There they are. Don't eat them all. I'm serious. So today, moving on to serious business, I felt like I had to have something to recommend today. So I'm going to eat this last chip. And we will continue on. No. Hmm. Takes me back, people. Takes me back. I went through all that theater, theater for you, because now you want one, don't you? <laughs> You're like, I'm going to try that after church. There they are. All right, today we're going to dive into a teaching. You've probably heard this story. Um, because this is like one of the more popular experiences, more popular stories that, are, that was shared about Jesus. It's one of like, there's not a ton of stories that are shared in all four Gospels, but this is one of them, uh, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, now, it's shared in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you didn't know what the Gospels were, those are the first, the first four books of the New Testament. And they all, as we've talked about before, 
Each writer had a different reason for writing and sharing stories, but for whatever reason, all four writers felt like this was a story that should or needed to be shared about Jesus. And it's an interesting story for a couple different reasons, because there's lots of things that is happening in the story, and I'm going to kind of uncover some of it for you. If you, if you take this story and let it stand alone, you kind of miss the humanness of Jesus, because Jesus had a cousin uh, named John the Baptist, and a couple of the other writers, we're going to be actually in Mark chapter uh, 6 today, but uh, a couple of the other writers talk about how John the Baptist, who was, who was Jesus' cousin, who had recently been beheaded, he'd been killed. So Jesus is like, he's mourning the loss of, his, of someone he cared about, someone that he knew. And uh, so th- this thing had just happened. It also follows on the heels of when Jesus had his like disciples uh, there, there was, he had 12 guys that were like his dudes, his posse. They traveled all over the place with him. They watched what he did. They were trying to learn how to be like Jesus. And so he just sent them away for a season of like going off and teaching on their own. I like to think that was like summer break for the teacher, you know, where he gets to take a couple, you know, a little bit of time off and enjoy some time away from the students. Because any teachers in the house? Are you ready for summer break? Yes, they are. <laughs> right? After a while, you're just like, man, I just, need, I just need a minute. So Jesus had just sent the disciples away, and they were just returning. He, he got his guys back. He just received this news about John the Baptist. And, it, and uh, the, a couple of different passages talk about how uh, this is right around the time of the Passover, so people are starting to prepare to return to Jerusalem. There's a few times throughout the year where people would travel to Jerusalem for the big ceremonies or the big festivals or the big feasts. And Passover was one of the big ones. And so lots of people were traveling through Galilee, heading to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So like the, the population size is growing. And uh, so all these different things are starting to happen. And in Mark chapter 6, you have uh, Jesus. He's just reunited with all of his guys. And he asked his guys, like, hey, guys, let's hop into a boat. We need to get away from the people for a little bit. And uh, I, I think, now this is just me, but I think Jesus was like, trying to get some distance because he knew he needed some time. Like, needed a little bit of space from all the chaos because I think he was feeling some stuff. I think he was, he was mourning the loss of someone that he loved, and he was probably a little tired and, and probably needed a little bit of a break. And so he gets his disciples, and he says, let's hop in this boat. Let's get some distance. Now, Mark tells us that the crowds, the people, saw Jesus and the guys in the boat. And we think of this like as the sea. Like this wasn't like the Gulf of Mexico. They hopped in the boat and they took off. Like this is a, this is a, it's a bigger body of water, but it's not huge, right? So these people see Jesus and his guys in this boat, and the, the, the scriptures tell us uh, that people watched Jesus kind of take off, and the people were like following. They like see him going, and they're like trying to figure out where he's going. So they're running through the towns, running through the villages, trying to get to wherever it is that Jesus is about. To land. We're not entirely sure where he's headed, but they all had kind of heard stories about this rabbi who'd been doing healings and the guy who'd been doing some teachings and they've been like searching for. Now you have to remember like Passover was always this big festival where there was all sorts of stuff happening and all the people would come in, but Passover celebrated deliverance. It was a time where they celebrated when they left slavery out of Egypt and were set free. And God had like redeemed his people and brought them out of slavery. And he was, he, they were literally in the promised land that Jesus had promised them. And so there was this big celebration of this time. And these people were anticipating 
a teacher, a Messiah, who was going to set them free again. It was going to liberate them. Because remember, like the, the Romans were around. They weren't necessarily the crowd favorites. And so all this stuff is happening. All this stuff happening. And they're all like searching for an answer. They're like looking for something that fits that, that, that mold that they've been told all about. So people hear about Jesus, and Jesus is, is around. And so I kind of imagine people like, hey, if we're in the area, let's see if we can check this guy out. Let's see if we can find him. Let's follow him a little bit and see if we can, if we can you know, see him. If we can see some of the miracles he's doing. Maybe we can just get some time near Jesus. And so Jesus is getting away, trying to get a break. People are chasing along on the shoreline like you do. And they're like trying to catch up with him. And Jesus is coming up to the edge of the shore. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to show you something like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so I'm going to read you some verses that aren't on the screen, so hang on, Spencer. Uh, so, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many of them saw the people uh, leaving, and they recognized them, and they ran through all the towns by foot. Wasn't lying to you, was it? When Jesus landed, they, he saw a large crowd, and catch this, he has compassion on them. Has compassion on them. Have you ever had like one of those moments? I joked a little bit ago about potato chips. Like, you ever had that one of those moments where you're really looking for something? You're like really anticipating, you know there's a need, and you've like searched for a little bit, trying to find whatever the response is, whatever answer it is you may be looking for. You ever prayed for something for a minute or for a while and thought to yourself, like, is God ever going to respond to this prayer? And felt that longing, a sense of waiting, and a sense of anticipation. I think that these people were probably in that kind of category. They were looking for something. They were looking for answers. They also, I believe, had always wondered or wished that God would show up in their story. Like, is God nearby? Does God even care anymore? Like, we're going to celebrate Passover in a couple of weeks, but like, that was a big story that happened to some of our ancestors but here we are in a very similar story. It doesn't feel like God's present. It doesn't feel like he's moving on our behalf. We celebrate those stories, but is he really not only listening, but is he present? Does he care? I think this is how you get people running through towns and villages. They're looking. They're hoping. And Jesus comes up to the shoreline and he sees the people and he has compassion on them. Now, Jesus gets out of the boat, I'm sure. And, uh, the, the text tells us there's all sorts of like grassy space around. And uh, so he starts teaching and healing. And uh, a couple of the different passages talk about Jesus healing some people. And people are bringing their sick and their hurt people to him. And he's touching them and healing them. And... Uh, and, and so Jesus has this, like, this kind of moment, of a, a big church service, if you will. And the disciples realize, hey, uh, Jesus, uh, I think you've been spending too much time with Pastor Matt. You're getting a little long-winded. And uh, I think the people are getting hungry. So I think we should send the people away to the towns to get some food. You've probably heard this story, right? Like, let's send them away, send them to the towns, and so that way, that way they can get some food. And oh, I, I love one one writer of the Gospels talks about specifically about how Jesus tests Philip, who was one of the disciples. And he's like, why don't you give him something to eat? Now remember, he just sent the disciples off to teach 
and to you know do what he was doing and, and and so he's like challenging his disciples like why don't you do why don't you give them something to eat now I love this because if you if you sit where we sit like the good student would say you're right Jesus look at the birds in the air you know they don't toil they don't worry you know or maybe you say well well man does it live on bread alone but every word that comes from the mouth of God, that's what Jesus said in the desert when he was being tempted. Like, there's all these different great responses that the disciples go on. Now, I imagine that Philip must have been like one of the engineers of the group or something, because he starts thinking about all the ways to, to actually do this. He's like, well, I'm not really sure if we can feed all these people. That's like, he's doing some math. That's like, like a half year's wages or a whole year's wages. I'm not real good with the numbers. Like, maybe that's, this is, you really want us to feed all these people? And... Uh, uh, I want to share with you how Mark tells the story. He says, by this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him, being Jesus. Uh, this is a remote place, if you're not aware of Jesus. <laughs> they said, and it's already very late in the day. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Uh, are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? Now, some people would be like, wait, wait, Jesus is probably poor, right? But he had a following. Like, they may have had the money to be able to go to a town. I don't, I mean, I can't imagine, like, you called Amazon and they delivered that much bread or anything. Uh, you know, it's the prime, you know, the, the quick prime. What's that called, the two-hour delivery thing? Maybe they could pull that off. I don't know. But they're asking these tactical questions, and I don't think really that was the point for Jesus. He says, you should give them something to eat. And uh, they're like, are we really supposed to spend that much money? Like, aren't we supposed to be better stewards than that? Like, I've been to church all my life, Jesus, and I love how churches blow all their money on stupid stuff. I, I'm not, we're not, I don't really think we should, like, one cookout? That's a lot of money for the cookout, Jesus. <laughs> right? And uh, so, uh, Jesus, he says to them, well, how many loaves... Uh, or he says, are we supposed to go out and buy all this? And he goes, how many loaves do you have? He asked. And I love this. He says, go and see. Like they weren't even sure what they even had. Like they hadn't spent any time thinking about the things that they actually did already possess. Uh, he says, go and see. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a heads up. If you don't know the story, they go and they find this, uh, a couple of loaves and they find some fish and they come back to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, here's what we've got. We've got five loaves and Two fish. What are you? <laughs> I'm not even sure this could feed our group. <laughs> like, I'm hungry, Jesus. I got at least a loaf and a half in me. You know, there's probably a gayler sized disciple in the group. <laughs> you know, he's got his uh, stomach growling a little bit, and he's like, this guy. I mean, I was there. I've seen him do some miracles, but uh, he's going to have to do something serious because I, I really need, like, a foot long, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, and so Jesus is like, well, bring it over to me. And so he takes the loaves and the bread, or the, fish, the bread and the fish, and he holds them up. And you may have heard this, right? He holds them up, and he blesses God. This is something that's interesting. By the way, uh, some of you will probably leave here today, and uh, you may know this, you may not, but this is just an interesting point. Like, Jesus doesn't bless the food. He blesses God who blessed you, them with the food. So he blesses God and he says, thank you, great God, for, for providing. 
And he blesses God and he breaks the loaves and gives it to his disciples and sends them off into the crowds. Like, can you imagine, just for a second, like, now, I like to think the disciples probably had a lot of faith, a lot of like, yeah, I'm with him, he's done some cool stuff. You heard about the wine and the water and, you know, and the party that kept going. Like, Jesus like, they came to Jesus and said the party was over, and Jesus like, not on my watch, <laughs> you know? Like, that's, you've probably heard those stories, right? That's why the crowds have gathered around. But as disciples, you know, I imagine maybe they had faith, but could you imagine how embarrassing it would be to walk out in a crowd uh, some texts tell us that Jesus told them to instruct them to sit in groups of like 50 or hundreds. Could you imagine walking up to a group of 100 people with your little basket of food? Jesus said, I have some. You know, he's blessed it. You bless God and here you go. Could you imagine that moment? Like, have you ever had not enough and walked up to a group and been embarrassed by what you have? Uh, I, uh, this, is, this is just a little side note for you, but uh, we got involved with this family promise thing here at the church. Brad talked about it a few minutes ago during the announcements, and uh, it was late coming to us. Like, we weren't entirely sure what it was, and it was after we'd created our budget. And I'll be honest with you, like, I wish we had this bigger budget to do what we really want to do for this ministry um, like when we had this, our team meeting, we like exposed our budget and we're like, here's what we've got like actually in our budget for this. And I had this sense of embarrassment, if I'm really honest with you. Like this is something we really think that matters. This is something that I wish we could do a lot of stuff for, but unfortunately this is the only budget money that we currently have. We're hoping that maybe we can have more later, but right now here's all we got. And there was a sense of embarrassment. Everybody, anybody ever had that feeling like, like, oh, man, I wish I could do more. Nobody raised their hand, so no, you haven't. Okay. <laughs> that was one of your moments to make me feel better about myself, people. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. Oh, yeah, there's a few of you out there. Like, yeah, you had this moment where I was like, man, I wish we could do more. But you know what happens sometimes? I mean, this is one of the most simple lessons that we could ever wrestle with, but it's so true, but we, we don't always live it, right? Sometimes we feel so bad for the things that we can't do that we never do anything. Like, you feel so bad that you're like, oh, man, I can't do all of the things that I wish we could do. And so that just kind of paralyzes you from doing anything. And I told our, our team, we had like 10, 12 people around the table for our family promise meeting. I was like, listen, first thing I want you guys to hear is like, we will not feel bad for the things we can't do. But we will work really hard to do everything that we can. Like, we're going to serve as well as we can. We're going to use every little thing that we have and we're going to go and we're just going to try to make a difference with what we have. I imagine Jesus like look at us and like, hey, just go and see what you got. Like, just go and see. There may be more here than you even realize. You never know. Like, sometimes you ever had that deal where you're like, you're like oh, man, I don't think we got very much. And then you like open up and you're like, oh, forgot that was here. Forgot this was here. Forgot we had that. Forgot we had all these things. Forgot we had all these resources. In Brad and I's meetings, lots of times we like look at each other and we're like, oh man, I'm not sure how this works. Then you start getting after it and you start realizing like God's given you relationships. Uh, here's something else that we're working on and this is actually going to happen. Uh, the, you guys are aware we have the parking problem here in Westfield. Uh, the high school is like, there's kids who are parking on the streets and like the neighborhood down here is getting like beyond fed up with all the cars parking here in Westfield. So like, uh, we anticipate there's going to be a parking problem within the city of Westfield for graduation. Graduation is going to be a big deal. I don't know if you're aware that we have a big school just right 
there. And uh, so I was talking with Brad this last week, and, uh, and actually Lisa had the idea. She called us and she said, hey, you know, you're thinking about the parking situation. There's another parking problem coming up. And so Brad and I started talking about, like, well, we could open up our parking lot for graduation, and maybe that'd be a blessing to some of our neighbors. And then the more we started thinking about it, like, you know, it'd be really cool. It's like, what if, like, what if we were able to uh, open up the parking lot and find some people to shuttle some families through? That's a long hike, by the way. It is a little bit of a hike. The young students, they can do it, no big deal. Uh, grandmas and grandpas heading to graduation, it's a little bit of a trip. So we started thinking about relationships of people that we have, and we were able to secure golf carts to shuttle people over just from relationships that we have. So we're going to have people parking out here in the parking lot. We'll have our little, uh, the Moyer Fine Jewelers little thing that goes around Park Street on the weekends. They're going to be here. Uh, the city's Parks Department, or they're not called the Parks Department anymore. Westfield Welcome. They're going to hook us up with a couple of golf carts. And like, we've just like started looking for everything we could to find some golf carts. Just try to be a blessing. Like, you just went and see. Go see what you got. You start realizing, well, I got friends. My budget not, might not be that big, but I've got some friends. We've got a few resources. We've got a few connections. Let's get everybody together and see what we can pool together. And let's find this thing. Uh, let's find all the problems and create some solutions. Same thing with family promise. We're like, you know what? We may not have the budget to do everything, but maybe if we create some silly tags. They're not silly, Sarah. I know you made them and you, they're important. But like, in all reality, it's a, just a tag. It's a piece of paper. But maybe some people in our church will find, hey, I can buy a thing of bed sheets. You know what, I, can, I have an extra alarm clock. I can bring those in. Like all the little things that we needed, like just put them on some tags. Let's just go see what we've got. Let's figure this thing out. Like so many times, I, I have friends who are in other places of the world. I'm not going to call anybody out by name, but like so many times we press pause and do nothing until we have like this big bank account. We have all the resources. And then we feel comfortable moving forward. You don't want to move forward until you have everything you need. But I think, and this sounds kind of crazy, but I think sometimes in pressing pause and waiting till you have all the stuff you need, you miss the opportunity to see that Jesus can move within the things that you already have and do something amazing. That was, there it is, there it is. I got an amen in the front row. Right, seriously. Like we wait. And, and if you do all those things, like maybe, God, yeah, okay, God's going to give you some connections, going to give you some relationships, and he'll help you get the resources you need. And maybe there is some time, there's a time to wait. There is. Like, we don't need to be jumping out and building all these million, trillion dollar buildings and, and hoping that God brings the crowd, you know, field of dreams. Uh, you build it, they will come, you know, that sort of stuff. Like, there's times to press pause. There's other times when our hesitation, our being stuck analyzing all the things that we need can rob us of an opportunity to realize that there's something great happening right in our presence. Now, this story of the feeding of the 5,000, it, it started to like set off some like alarms for people because the people of the time and the day when this happened, they were a part of a culture and they were a part of a people and uh, this the story of God feeding, or Jesus feeding the people, uh, reminded them of another story, of another reality that was within their culture. You see, in uh, the story of Exodus, there was a command that God gave the people, and he, he wanted the people to create this tabernacle. It was like a moving temple 
The tabernacle was this picture of uh, God having communion or community with his people. And there were some, some instructions that he gave. And one of the instructions was like there was this, this holy of holies. The Ark of the Covenant was supposed to sit in there. And then there was a sanctuary, like a little bit bigger room. So if you imagine, I've, I've tried to explain this before. One day I will have a picture. Imagine like the concentric circles. There's the Holy of Holies, and then there's another space that was the sanctuary. Inside the sanctuary, there were a couple of things. One thing that I want to point out is there was this table. It was called the Table of Presence. And there, in the sanctuary, there was always supposed to be this table. And on this table, there were some real clear instructions what was supposed to be on the table. There was some wine and some olive, uh, olive oil. And then also, there were supposed to be 12 baskets or 12 loaves of bread. And these loaves actually sat on these, this little contraption that made it so they didn't squish each other. And so the loaves would sit in there. There was some, some interesting stuff about this. On the bread of presence, every Sabbath, you would make a fresh loaf of bread, make 12 of them. And then when you would replace them, like the, the, the Levites went to such a degree to make sure that the bread never left the presence of God because it was commanded to them that there would always be bread before. There was always supposed to be 12. They're like, they would, they would take the new loaf and they would slide it in and put the new loaf in and slide the old one out as a way of like saying like, it never left the plate, <laughs> Right? So they would, like, they would shift in the new bread, and they would like line them all up. They'd get all 12 of them would be there. Now, there was a couple of miracles that would happen uh, that were associated with this bread of presence, one of which, which I think is really crazy, uh, was that uh, when, when God's favor or God's presence was among the people, the bread that was cooked fresh on the Sabbath, that was warm when they put it there on Sunday, or Saturday, excuse me, Got Christian on you there, didn't I? On Saturday, they'd put the warm bread in there. The next week, when they put the new loaf in there, the loaf that they took out would still be warm. Interesting, huh? Here's another thing. Uh, when the, the, this practice first started, this is for Aaron's sons. And Aaron's sons, when it first started, there weren't that many of them. And so the Aaron's sons, it was their job to share that bread, eat that bread within the sanctuary. And here's another thing. Lots of the, the practices that were put into place in the Leviticus were not necessarily sacrifices that went just to God, but they were, all, they were like these communal things. Like this bread of presence was to be there before the Lord, but you would share this bread with God. This wasn't something God was supposed to eat, but it was something you shared in the presence of God. Does this make sense? And so they would, uh, the, the sons of Levi, or the, the Aaron's sons, they would start to eat this bread, and they were supposed to eat it within the sanctuary. Now, early on, no big deal. I give one to each son, and he's got a loaf, and he's choking it down, right? But as the, the numbers grew, the, the, the Levites would come in, they'd begin to like share these, uh, or the, the priests, excuse me, would come in to begin to share this, and as there were more and more of them, and they're all supposed to have a little bit, the 12 loaves didn't go as far. And there was this uh, thing that they began to understand or that, that they believed. And I want to share this with you. Uh, in the second temple era, uh, this is when they, this was stuff would happen. Every priest who received a piece of the bread, maybe no more than the size of an olive, would eat it and would be satisfied. And they'd even find that at times there'd still be 
leftovers. Like somehow, this bread that represented the presence of God, the, the blessing of God's presence for the people, would feed all of the people, and there would even be like these moments where like, there's still leftovers. Do you see what's happening here? You see, the people who witnessed this uh, feeding of the 5,000, Mark tells us that uh, in chapter 6, verse 42, said that they all ate, they were satisfied, and get this, the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls, remember there's 12 loaves of bread, 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish, oh, and the number of men was roughly 5,000, just throw that in there. You connecting these dots? People who are wondering, is the presence of God with us? Is God even here? Does he even care? Does God know about what's going on in my story? These people who are running through the village side, like the villages and the countryside, trying to figure out where Jesus is going to be and, and hoping that maybe he's the one, he's the answer. There they experience and they witness this great miracle. And this miracle is like saying, yes, God is present. And not only is he present, but you're with him. You might even find yourself satisfied. You'll find that longing addressed and taken care of. See, sometimes we're waiting for all those big moments, those big resources, the big thing that can happen. But perhaps we just need to start with what we have. Start with what you have and trust that God's present. And as we step out in faith and you start to look and trust that God's going to move, maybe you get an opportunity to see God move on your behalf. You see, we teach this all the time. And I think we even know it in our heads, if we're honest with ourselves. But we wrestle with the reality. is like, is God here now among us? Like, is he really present? Like, remember the table of presence. Like, this, this is a symbol of God's presence. And then all of a sudden you have Jesus. It's as if he's, like, pointing to people. Like, yeah, you think he's just in this temple someplace. But no, no. God is here now among us. I know that somewhere in this space there's someone who's doubted, wrestled with, or wondered whether or not God knows what their story looks like today. You're wondering. You've been waiting. You've been looking. Looking for more important things than a chip replacement. Like you're hoping and you need God to respond. You need him to come through. Like there's a lot of stuff that's got to happen in the next 24 hours, 48 hours, Lord. There's a lot of stuff. I need a lot of answers in the next couple of weeks, Lord. Are you going to move and I believe that in the stories of the scriptures and even now here among us, God wants to remind us of his presence. You see, in God's hands, even small things can make a big difference. So what's the small thing that you just need to give over? Say, well, I don't have much, but here's what I do have. I can tell you as a church... 
We are like the masters. I, I, I love to, to brag about how thrifty we are. Like, if you want to, like, uh, you've heard those jokes about people being able to, like, take a quarter and squeeze it and make, you know, two dimes and a nickel, you know? Like, uh, we, we, are, we are tight. We, we are as thrifty as it gets. But there is no excuse to be paralyzed or immobile in your community. We do everything we can with the little that God's given us. And we trust that God will give us more. And you know what? We're going to still do everything we can with what God has given us. And we'll do what we can with it. And we'll watch and we'll wait and see. And uh, I, I think about this family promise thing. It's going to be cool to see how God moves on, on our behalf to serve these families and, and move on their behalf. Somewhere in our community, there's somebody who's praying right now, who's worried is not sure what they're going to do for their children or their, to find a home. And God's already mobilizing us to be poised and ready to use an old junky lumberyard to house them. And when they come through the doors, they're going to find that there are some people here who smile, who don't have much. But they made like a little lasagna that they bought at Costco. You know? <laughs> Sam's Club, sorry. We have Sam's Club employees in the house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, somebody bought it at Sam's Club, and they bring it in, and they're just like, you know, I don't have much, but I just believe God's given me something, and I just want to offer it to you as a gift, and I love you. I'm your neighbor. I'm your friend. And as much as God is mobilizing us for somebody we don't even know yet, I also believe that God is on the work in your story, too. Like that thing you're wrestling with right now, that fear, that, that job situation, the move that may be coming, whatever it may be, that thing that's already happening, I believe that God's already got the wheels turning somewhere else. Maybe you don't know them. Maybe they're here present. And God's just already got things spinning up. And you're like, dear Lord, please help. And he's like, I am. I am. Just go and see. And like he's already like taken the little thing that you got. He's already gave thanks for it. He's blessed God. And, you know, he, and in his hands, he's going to take the little thing and he's going to make something great out of it. So, a couple of things to leave you with. One, if you don't go to Jesus with it, you'll miss the opportunity to see what he will do. Because I think God does provide for us and sometimes you don't even realize it. You missed it. He was just blessing you, and you're just like all blessed up, and you didn't even realize it. You just thought it was just a good regular Tuesday. No, no, God's blessing you. He's a blesser, and he's just pouring out all of his blessings right now. And if you don't go to him regularly, you'll miss opportunities to see what he's already doing in your presence. Also, if you don't use the things that you have and give them and put them in his hands... You miss the opportunities to see these miracles that God can do with the little that you already possess. Could you imagine the disciples just like never went and looked, never found the five live fish and the two loaves, or, or what is it, two, five, five loaves, two fish, you know what I'm trying to say, right? <laughs> Could you imagine if they wouldn't have ever went and done it and then brought it to Jesus and placed it in his hands? We be hearing the story about how Jesus like called Amazon Prime way before it's time. You know, like, I don't know. God still would have provided, but they would have missed the opportunity to see.
the miracle. Sometimes we think that the blessing is for all the other people who got to eat the meal. But somewhere in the back corner of the gathering, there was like, you know, some family, and they're just eating bread and fish. They don't know what's going on. They have no clue what's happening. But the people who served, the people who were involved, the ones that actually brought the fish and the loaves and handed them to Jesus, and like, I'm kind of embarrassed, my budget's small. They're the ones who got to see the miracle. Now, everybody got to experience the miracle, right? All 5,000 filled their bellies, and we're satisfied. to like, take this fish from me. I'm full. Putting it in the basket. Everybody got to experience the miracle. Only a few got to witness it. How great is that? Get involved. Jump in and watch what God can do. Because in God's hands, even small things can make a difference. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this, uh, this story. And to be quite honest with you, this story is not one that just lived out a long time ago. It continues to live out even now in our presence, Lord. I thank you for all of the stories that I can personally point to of your provision in moments when we were, we were in great need. I can speak as, as a household, but I can also speak as a pastor of all of the moments in which you have moved on our behalf, people you love. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to point us in the direction, that you would give us the things that we need, but you would also help us to learn to use the things that we have. I pray that you would bless us in such a way where we would have abundant resources to be able to make a big difference, but that you would also help us to use the little things to, make, uh, to, to bring about miracles every single day. And Lord, I pray that you would look down upon this gathering of people, not as an organization, but as individual stories who are part of a community, and that you would look at each and every one of us and be thankful and be proud of your children as we use what you have given us to make a big difference. Because, Lord, we do believe that in your hands, even the smallest things can make a big difference. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Westfield area, we'd love to see you at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions and more information about our services and family ministries, check out our Facebook page or visit us online at www.inspire.church.